Hey guys, what's up for this month? I just wanted to tell you before the episode starts, it's not Anderson this time. He, Anderson will be back next week or in, the, or in a couple of weeks for, to round out this final episode. This is kind of a half episode where we cover the first two weeks of December. I'm joined with my Find Your Film cohorts, Eric Holmes and Bruce Perky. We just wanted to add this to the, the feed, to the show. I forgot to mention that for our Cinematics Patreon feed, our bonus episode, we will be covering the year 1944 in December. So Anderson will pick a year not pick a year. Anderson will pick a movie from 1944, and so will I. We will spotlight those movies this month in December for our Patreon members. Thank you guys for supporting Cinematics. Here is the latest episode. Me and Bruce and Eric talk about the first two weeks of December. By the way, go see Benedetta. Love that film. Take care, guys. Bye. I was going to say, hey, everyone, we're back for another week of Find Your Film, but we are not on Find Your Film. I am actually here on Cinematics with my Find Your Film co-host, Bruce Perky and Eric Holmes. There is a reason why Anderson Cowan isn't here this week. Me and Anderson were not able to actually find a time where we could actually sit down, get get over to Cold Cockle Productions, and record this month's preview episode for Cinematics. We were going to cover the entire month of December, as we usually do on Cinematics. It's one episode per month, and we do the, the monthly previews. Anderson's not going to make it for this week, but he'll be back in a couple weeks, okay? So joining me for this Cinematics episode, by the way, when Anderson comes back, it'll be like, I forgot what number this show is, but it'll be like 140.5 or 141.5. So Anderson will be back in two weeks. The good thing is I'm not doing this solo. This is not a Flick City episode. I'm here with Eric Holmes and Bruce Perge. They're going to help me, help us, our Cinematics community, shepherd the next two weeks, talk about movies that are coming up so for you guys can actually hopefully see or maybe avoid okay that's something that we do in find your film as well i've been blabbing a lot we have three movies to actually along the thing bruce do you ever do you miss bruce perky you've been listening to me and anderson since how long since the inception 2015 or 2016 how did you get into yeah i think i listened to the very first show uh because i used i always listen to the film vault and then when he mentioned this, I popped on the first show and listened to it since then. Uh-huh. Yes. Was it was it rough going when you're saying, who's this little uh, diminutive Asian guy with Anderson Cowan from the cin- Cinematics Episode Zero? Was it was I a little bit shaky? Because I'm not, I'm not Brian. I'm definitely not Brian. What were your initial thoughts when you just joined the whole cinematic community? I actually really liked it because it was a totally different energy. Because I think that the way Anderson really is like a chameleon and, and how he acts with different people. He kind of vibes off the energy, and his energy with you is a totally different energy than his energy with Brian. So and you mean Brian, Anderson's fake? Anderson counts fake? Is that right? Correct? That's exactly what no. <laughs> <laughs> he's a total no. Um, I would just say because when he's with you, he's he's constantly like he really respects and admires like your kind of breadth and depth of knowledge when it comes to movies, and I think he's a little bit dazzled sometimes, even though he's, he doesn't agree with you. Whereas with Brian, he he gets really angry a lot of times. So, well, Anderson is again. He admires the breadth of my knowledge in cinema. Bruce, why don't you pay me the same respect and find your film, Eric? Do you have any idea why Bruce Perky does not pay me any mind or respect on our show? What, what's going on with that? Uh, I I didn't want to say this out loud, but Bruce and I had a little talk, and uh oh, I, I, I try I try to I try to talk you up a little bit, but it's just it. You know his uh his arguments were just too good. See, so Eric's, kinda... Eric's mistake was he thought that spankings would be a punishment. Oh, right. They're actually a perk of, of being a part of a... Spankings are a perk if you're a podcaster. Perks for perks. <laughs> Eric Holmes, just a very backstory regarding you and Anderson. When did you start listening to the film vault? And then I guess, did you transition from there to listen to me and Anderson in cinematics in 2015? Where did you start on this whole thing? 
I I don't remember when I started listening to the film ball. It was a while ago. But yeah, I was, as soon as uh, Anderson started doing the cinematics, uh, I was like, well, I guess we're listening to that as well. And oh, very good. Okay. It's been, uh, and then as soon as I heard your voice, I'm like, I need to do a podcast with that guy and some other guy I'd never even heard of called Bruce. I, I, I just have a feeling that some guy named Bruce will come to my life and I want to do a podcast with him as well. Did and you, here did we you, are. Look at that. Were you surprised at all the riches and fame that you would get as a podcaster? <laughs> You've been a podcaster for the last year and a half. Yeah. Yeah? yeah? Was, uh, no it comment? Is, yeah, it's it pretty overwhelming. Did the money truck, has it been rolling in over in uh, over in your part of the woods? Uh, do, do money trucks exist in podcasts? If you're not Joe it, Rogan or Mark Maron, I don't, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think that's a thing. They do not exist. Oh. They do not exist. I, yes. I yes, got yes. one. I got a money truck, but the problem is weird. Uh, it has this matchbox on the bottom. I, I don't know. <laughs> right. You know what? The money that we earn from Find Your Film and Cinematics, and especially I earn, that have enough money to actually fill a little hot wheel with a couple of quarters, maybe 15 cents from from Find Your Film and 25 cents from Cinematics. No, well, without, we've, yeah. we've, gotten a, yes, we've gotten a couple bucks in the past that we put towards uh, uh, movies that are that are uh, crowdfunding. Oh, so, right. You know, Eric, it, it's not it's not, you know, millions of dollars, but it's not nothing. Listeners, if you don't know, I'm sure you know Eric Holmes, Anderson in the whole TFV universe, cinematics universe. He's mentioned Eric on occasion, very talented editor. But Eric, one of your big passion projects, along with you one day becoming a filmmaker of your own, you like actually thinking of other people, which I, I don't. I, Bruce, do you like thinking of other people? Is that, is that one of your talents? Or do you... I, I'm sorry. I was, I was okay. in my own head. I was thinking that, to myself. And that's why I love you, Bruce. And that's why I love you. But, but the thing with Eric is he loves actually promoting a lot of film projects that are getting off the ground. Eric Holmes, for the last year, maybe, maybe six months, what have you been uh, promoting and trying to support and, and actually, by default, Bruce as well? The, are, are you talking about the uh, Don't Die? Yeah. Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah, yeah. because yeah, uh, last time we were on, I uh, couldn't control my potty mouth and started a swear jar. And I believe we ended up donating some uh, money to a crowdfunding for a movie called Don't Die with uh, Virginia Newcomb is going to be in it. And I think Bruce actually knows more about this movie than I do. But apparently they finished wrapping a couple months ago, so we should be hearing about Don't Die here within 2022, I imagine. But, I and mean, we, it's an indie movie, so it's hard to say for sure. And we love Virginia Newcomb, Eric Holmes, because of two reasons. What are those two reasons? Death of Dick Long and the beta test. The PETA beta test. The PETA beta test. PETA beta gets a little shout-out in the Cinematics Universe, the chairman of, <laughs> of middle-class film class. By the way, that, folks, that's another podcast that you should, you should definitely listen to. One more plug before we get into our movies and the films that are coming out the week of December 3rd and December 10th. A little bit of a plug. You know, I never plug this when I'm with Anderson, but when I see you, Bruce, and I see Eric, I'm just more comfortable to glad hand and, and actually promote. Listeners, Cinematics listeners, please join our Cinematics Facebook group. Every single week I give up give away DVDs and Blu-rays. More importantly, there's a lot of people within our community who are just as good as Eric and Bruce when it comes to reviewing movies. I'm thinking of members like Joseph Bridges, Matt Stillman, Peter Beta, Angie Clark. They give daily movie recommendations to members. So it's a really pure cinephile community. Probably I'm the only dirty 
rotten scoundrel of the bunch. There's a lot of really <laughs> cool people. You know, Eric, did you notice how Eric Holmes laughed and he did not defend me? He did not. That's because he looks so much like Steve Martin. It's kind of uncanny, <laughs> really. Oh, uncanny. I, yeah, it's very good. Very good movie, Dirty Rotten Scoundrel, by the way, which is a remake of what movie, Bruce Perky? You're on point. What is, what is Dirty Rotten Scoundrel a remake of? I, I'm Are still you imagining you with the arrow through your head. I, I, I can't think of yeah, it right uh, yeah, now. Yes, sorry. yes. Here, here's a little cinematics movie trivia, which I'm, I'm going a mile a minute. I know, guys, because I'm fine. Your film, I'm a little bit slower. But Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is a remake of the David Niven and Marlon Brando film, Bedtime Story, a movie that I have not yet seen. So, Brando fan, you guys, favorite Brando movie. Eric Holmes first. You go. Wait. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you don't know. I'm going uh, to answer Island, for you. Island of Dr. Moreau. We'll Island of, how, how, the Island of Dr. Moreau. How dare you? I was, th- I was thinking you're going to say Apocalypse Now. Bruce, your turn. Uh, best movie would be Apocalypse Now. Best performance with an ice bucket on his head is The Island of Dr. Moreau. The Island See, of Dr. Moreau. I'm not wrong. And, and <laughs> since, since I'm a 50-year-old single Asian male, my favorite is Last Tango in Paris. That's why I'll never have a girlfriend, because I watch these really weird movies. Have you ever seen Last Tango in Paris, Eric Holmes? No, I haven't. I heard... Uh, I, it was kind of on my list, and then I heard uh, stories about a thing, a, a bar of soap, and I was like, eh, maybe I don't need to see that one. Yeah, it is very prob- it's a problematic movie, very intense movie about a cinema, about a, re- a relationship between Marlon Brando and the late Maria, I believe, Schneider. It's a very interesting. Have you ever seen Last Tango in Paris, Bruce, just right off the top? I have, and I can um, reassure Eric that he can look at soap again, but butter might be in danger. Oh, right. Butter might be in danger. Oh, right? that's yeah. right. It was stick of butter. That's right. Stick, stick of butter. This is very topical, salacious it's a, information. It's a lipid of some sort. It is very, uh, yes. Last Tango in Paris, I don't know, maybe when it was released, I'm thinking maybe it was rated X. It's very salacious. It's lusty. It's dysfunctional. It's a lot of things that's, uh, that a lot of cinephiles might look at something like, like Last Tango in Paris and say, ick, I don't want to be a part of this movie. Bruce, where am I transitioning with that from? Um, I'm going to guess uh, maybe to nuns? I don't know. To I'm nuns, to nuns. And oh. not in its, yes, nuns? What do you think? Do you, do you like nuns, Eric Holmes? I mean, not not I, in a, in a not, yeah. Do you like them in general? Yeah, I, th- I thought you were going to go with Diary of a Wimpy Kid, but yeah, nuns are tight, <laughs> especially in a certain movie we're about to talk about. Nuns are tight. I don't know. Yes, that, that, did that make our family rating for cinematics? It did. Very good, Eric Holmes. You just got under that umbrella. The reason why I'm talking about salacious, maybe body, rowdy, campy, is not because of just The Last Tango in Paris, but because of this movie directed by Basic Instinct and L and Starship Troopers filmmaker Paul Verhoeven. It's a movie called Benedetta, and it is a true story of a nun. I don't even know what's... Oh, 17th century nun named Benedetta in Italy who believes she has a direct relationship with God, a.k.a. Jesus Christ. is a Catholic film. She's a Catholic nun. And ever since she was a kid, she felt she had visions. She grows up in a convent. And we see maybe about five to, five to seven minutes of her as a kid. And it cuts to her maybe 18 years later as a young woman. And it centers on her life in the convent, seeing all these visions and whether or not she gets along with the fellow nuns in, I guess, in the convent. So that is the, that is the premise of Benedetta. It gets a lot crazier than that. If you have any idea about who Paul Verhoeven is about, what he's about as an artist, you're going to get, yes, is it provocative? Yes. Is it salacious? Is it lusty? Is it campy? Are there scenes in this movie which will make you just shake your head and say, what the F am I freaking watching right now? Yes, yes, yes. And I'm going to give you guys my 
overall opinion of Benedetta. This is the first movie we're covering on Cinematics. By the way, it hits theaters on December 3rd. I'm going to start with you, Eric Holmes, first off, regarding Benedetta. I want to hear what you think of the movie overall. This was a, uh, yeah, pretty much everything you said, definitely salacious. This is the clean podcast, so I'm trying to figure out certain ways to uh, (laughs) keep my potty mouth at bay. But, uh, thank you, thank you, sir. Yeah, it was a. Uh, we want to give a plot synopsis. I, I, does a plot synopsis even help with this one? No, just the, the nun with the vision. She's living in the convent. That's that's pretty much the whole story. Yeah, and has the, the, a, and there's another and, woman who comes in who becomes a nun, right? Yeah, and it, they have a relationship. That's what we can. And say. they're and they're married to Jesus. And I got to say, uh, the Jesus in this movie is probably the coolest Jesus I've ever seen in any movie. <laughs> Where uh, there was a there was a scene where uh, Benedetta she Benedetta is the uh, titular character, and uh, she has visions and often has stigmatas. And I think the nuns are often curious whether her stigmatas are real or self inflicted. But then we get to see Benedetta like about to get attacked by some people. And then Jesus comes in on a horse and a sword and just lays waste to everybody there. I was like, holy crap. This is like, <laughs> yeah, this is like a Conan or like Jesus the Barbarian comes in. This movie is freaking bonkers. But then it gets uh, it gets really uh, thoughtful at certain times. Um, definitely has some commentary on uh, religion. Uh, certainly commentary on uh homosexual relationships um and yeah this this movie's pretty dense like it's definitely salacious oddly enough it's actually even action-packed um in certain spots and this is not at all the movie i was expecting yeah i don't know why i wasn't expecting because i knew going in it was a paul verhoeven movie i should have expected robocop with nuns in it but you know (laughs) i don't know why i didn't at, at first but yeah benedetta is uh it's a hell of a movie. It's a hell of a movie. Did you end up really enjoying it? The movie runs 131 minutes. Were you bored or did it no, feel like 131 No, 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 no. Not bored at all. Um, the, yeah, this movie moves it a clip and it's, uh, I mean, if you're, uh, in, you know, if you get uh, weirded out or uncomfortable with uh, really graphic sex scenes, um, you know, Maybe not have the kids in the room when watching this. Um, or in the house. If you're watching it by yourself, make sure you have the door open and not close and lock so it seems like you're hiding it. Uh, but yeah, the, this movie gets quite salacious at times, so you know, be warned. Maybe not watch it with your parents. That so you'd recommend good. the movie? You said it's bonkers. Do you, do you Eric Holmes, personally recommend? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, in fact, I'm trying to think of any Paul Verhoeven movies I wouldn't recommend. Hmm. Hollow Man? Uh, Oh, Hollow Man's all right. That, that, that's like probably like lower tier Verhoeven, but still good for you know a campy horror. You know, it's not as good as it, uh, Lee Whannell's Invisible Man, but you know, right, not even close. It, it does its thing, and it's got Kevin Bacon in it, so you know, yes. double win. I forgot to mention Charlotte Charlotte Rampling. She plays the I suppose what the requisite Mother Superior in this. She's the she's the figurehead in Benedetta. She's the boss lady. She's the head nun. And she is very memorable. If you have seen Charlotte Rampling in The Verdict or The Night Porter or 45 Years, all of these really great Charlotte Rampling movies, this is a Charlotte Rampling performance. You're not going to 
you're you're not gonna forget. I was gonna make a real funny, a, a horrible dad joke pun about her, but that would spoil a very big part of her in the movie. Bruce, this is a. What did you think of the movie? This is very campy. It's out there. Did it jive with you? Uh, yeah, it did. It, it was a well. Once again, I knew going in that I was getting into a Verhoeven movie, and he has this habit of making these kind of crowd pleasing, semi campy movies, but then insinuating a lot of interesting elements that don't have to be in that kind of a movie. And he does the same sort of thing here. And like Eric, I found it for an over two hour movie, a period piece, you know, medieval movie about nuns and what the, the, the plague and the black death and all this stuff, uh, be to be a very crowd pleasing movie. As long as you're okay with the salacious elements and some of that, you know, you're getting into a Verhoeven movie. Now I really liked it. I thought it was really good. I, I, it's funny comparing it to other movies. Um, it's almost like the prequel to Dogma in some ways. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of really scathing criticism of the morality of the church in here uh, built into this movie. But what it does that's really smart, and it is smart. It's not just dumb camp. Is it leaves it always up in the air on whether she is really genuinely experiencing or thinks she's experiencing these visions or whether she is knowingly like pretending to have these visions. That is part of the setup of this movie. And then on top of that, you have all of the people around her are shown as being very morally ambiguous as well. All the religious people have very um, earthly reasons for the things they do in this movie throughout. So I think in that aspect, it's deeper than it, it had to be. Um, but overall, it's really fun and, and entertaining. Also, I wanted to see, um, did you kind of feel that one scene? I'm not going to say what it is exactly. was a very Vertigo uh, callback. There's a scene where uh, a nun is doing something during a yes. comet. Right, <laughs> I yes. That a so little much. bit. There's a lot of throwbacks. There's voyeurism involved. Verhoeven yeah. pulls out all the yeah. tricks with Benedetta. When you see this movie and you just see a woman in a habit... You think it, it might be some kind of religious faith movie and a treatise on on faith or corruption there within faith within that community? Nope, it is a very action oriented movie. Whether the action be sex or just violence or lurid visions of an afterlife, it is for 131 minutes. When I saw it was 131 minutes, I was really a little bit pissed off, to be honest. I was I was a little bit mad, but I, I thought it was going to be boring. It wasn't. Not one second. I actually, you know, Verhoeven could have made a 150-minute movie, and I think the way the pacing works with this film, it would have worked with me. There are two other movies we're going to get to that is way shorter than Benedetta and way less entertaining and far more boring. I'm going to give that away for those two movies we're going to come up. I don't know if uh, I don't know if Eric or, or Bruce are going to agree with me on this, but this was a very grade-A entertainment. I, You know what? You, li- you really liked it, Bruce. I love Benedetta. I'm Catholic. I oh, yeah. Before COVID, I used to go to... I used to go to uh, mass every week, and I thought this was a great scathing indictment on Catholicism, on faith, and it's also funny. It's very, very funny. If you take it, this movie as a comedy, it'll work. And Verhoeven is one of the, f- the few people with technology and streaming services and everything. He's one of the few people, few filmmakers who's going to actually portray sex on screen, how, no matter how body or some may say exploitative, exploitative it is. I, I just. I got to tip my hat off to him. He's like, 
That's why I love De Palma so much. He pushed the envelope. Verhoeven continues at 83 to push the envelope with Benedetta. I really, really love this movie. Eric, you wanted to say something. Yes, I, I also wanted to point out the uh, ending to this is really, really good. I, I, loved, I loved how this thing ended. It had like a couple... A couple beats at the end that I won't, you know, go into. Uh, you'll know when you see it, but uh, the the ending was really strong on this. Yeah, high high marks. And also, we have to mention the lead actress. The lead actress yes. is Virginia Virginia Virginie or Virginia Efira. I don't know. I'm mispronouncing her name, but she is fantastic in this movie. She and her fellow lead. Uh, she she and her co lead, the, the, her fellow love interest in the movie or cohort. They, they appear nude several times. Quite, there's liberal nudity, liberal sex in this movie. So that is... You should that say is, they appear clothed several times. They appear clothed several times. <laughs> Might be a better there way is, to put that. So, right. Eric, to your point, if there's a barrier to entry, it is the nudity, the sex, or the salacious nature of Benedetta. But if you're willing to either overlook that or it's not part of you're okay with that, dive into Benedetta and actually you'll, you'll find a very entertaining, engaging movie. Like Bruce says, it actually engages with your thoughts. Bruce, you made that really interesting opinion. I was reading about the the lead character, Benedetta. There's one critic who was complaining that one of the reasons why this movie didn't work for him was Benedetta as a character was completely opaque. But that was the point of the movie, right? That is the point of the movie. Yes. If they had told you for sure what she is doing one way or the other, it would totally undercut the point of the movie. Because it forces you to try to have to pick sides, kind of, even though it's just kind of fun, too. I guess fun is... A weird word to use with it, but it is. Um, the idea is that you're supposed to be like, are they wrongly accusing her? Or is she pretending? Like, that's a big part of this movie. Yeah, there's a reason why Benedetta is is the most mysterious person in this narrative. It Verhoeven asked the, the, the reader, not the readers, the, the viewers, us to actually figure out for ourselves, where do we land in this process? And that's what I really loved about Benedetta. I can't wait to watch this movie again. Loved, loved, loved it. Any final thoughts? Uh, strong, solid recommend for you, Eric? Yes, very, very strong recommend. And for you, you really enjoyed it too. I really enjoyed it a lot, yes. Okay, so that is Benedetta. That's one of our, our first picks on December 3rd. There's another movie that's coming out on December 3rd. There's a, it's, a, it's a movie called Wolf. And it said, uh, you know, what am I going to say about Wolf? No, it's not the, the, the Mike Nichols film with Jack Nicholson. It's just a movie with George McKay and Lily Rose Depp. Lily Rose Depp is the daughter of Johnny Depp. George McKay is the guy from 1917. Bruce, what are you going to say about Wolf? Um, oh, <laughs> well, you put me right on the spot there. <laughs> well, yeah, we did. should probably first give the, <laughs> give the um, I guess, the thumbnail of this movie. So oh, the thumbnail yeah. is, you want to do it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what the thumbnail, folks, is? Wolf, by the way, this movie opens in... In theaters, December third, uh, December third, okay, Friday, bunch of bunch yeah. of youths, bunch bunch of people. They live in sort of I don't I don't know. It's not even an institution, but they live in a clinic, where all of these people believe all, all of these individuals believe that there's some sort some type of animal. George McKay, McKay or McKay's character believes he is a wolf. I don't know. Lily Rose Depp believes she's some kind of feline, right? Some kind of tiger or lion or whatever. Yeah, cat, some kind of in that whole feline family. So it centers on these actors playing animals throughout the entire movie. I know there's supposed to be some kind of sim- symbolism symbolism or depth behind Wolf. Did you find that symbolism or depth, Bruce, with Wolf? How did you find this movie? Okay. Um, let me start with the good stuff, just to be nice to it. Um, there's the good stuff? 
<laughs> I will say that is it is it uh, who's the main the main actor? Is it George McKay? George, George McKay, yes. Oh my! Yeah, and he was in 1917, if I remember correctly. Um, yes. Yeah. So he is the lead in this, and he's supposed to. Well, he's the the titular wolf. I'm going to say wolf for you. Wolf. Yeah, wolf. It's a dog of a movie. Um, and I would say he is physically committed to this role. He really gives his all to it. And I have to commend him for going all in on this movie. He gives it the seriousness that it doesn't necessarily give back. Um, the problem with this movie. Okay. We've got all these characters that are supposed to have. It's supposed to be an analog for identity, obviously. Or for, you know, for people that you know, think of themselves differently than the outside world thinks of them and that the intolerance of the outside world is trying to force them to be something that the outside world thinks they are. This is the heady version of this movie. The problem is, while you're watching this movie, it's really hard not to laugh at it. And it isn't supposed to be funny from what I can tell. And it is kind of ludicrous. And that's my opinion. I mean, I don't want to offend people. It's kind of ludicrous the way it's presented to me. And I like the theme. I like what it's trying to say, of course. Yes, I like what it's trying to say. My biggest problem is this. There is no character development for all of these people that are in this institution. A, a real obvious analog to this movie is One Flew Over a Cuckoo's Nest, right? One right. Flew Over a Cuckoo's Nest. You have a ton of minor characters that are there with Jack Nicholson's character. And you get to know them and you understand their personal in a tiny little bit of time you start to understand each of them and to have some feeling for their plight and in here you literally have characters where it's like this person thinks there's a parrot this person thinks they're a squirrel this person thinks this is literally all you know about them and then they go they start acting like a squirrel and they have a big giant fluffy squirrel tail attached to their non-squirrel body otherwise or they have a parrot mask over their face which i don't know why the place supplies them with a parrot mask it, it, it. I mean, Greg, am I wrong? Is it? Is it? No, the silly. biggest crime of Wolf. The biggest crime of Wolf is it's not entertaining. That's number one. Yeah, it's silly. There's nothing. It's boring. And you mentioned one flew over the cuckoo's nest. One of the one of the greatest things about that is the writing, the, the yeah. well developed characters. Every every single even the minimal even the smallest character in one flew over the cuckoo's nest is developed. And in this movie, even the most the lead George McKay's character. I mean, he's not really developed. He's just a one note person who thinks he's a wolf of course they have some scenes with him out in the forest pretending he's a wolf you get to see him george howell that's really cool very good he's committed as an actor the movie itself just it was hard right. even tough sliding just trying to complete this movie i really do not like this movie whatsoever bruce yes yeah i i can't recommend it either let me give you a really simple example of what at the most base level this movie could have done right so if it's supposed to be an analog for something like say you have um like these Christian places that go to, quote, you know, cure people of their homosexuality, right? That would be kind of an analog that would be something here, right? Right. The whole idea of these characters that think they're, think they're a squirrel or they are a squirrel, whatever, the, the basic level should be like, we should at least know what these people think about their own situation. Do they feel fully all in that they're a squirrel? Are they trying to battle their own, you know you know, hidden desires. You know what I mean? Like that would be the most basic level. Like how do they feel about themselves? And we don't even know that. Yeah. And then we have the guy who's the head of the, of the clinic and he's just a, uh, like a mustache twirling villain. Like he's just right. a cruel guy and he, you don't even see them doing an attempt to make them different. So it's, yeah, it's, it's badly executed. It's not the yeah. idea that's bad. 
this movie keeps the viewers at an arm's length. The script is threadbare and not well developed. The performances are committed. Lily Rose Depp tries her best in her character, especially George McKay. He's really good in this movie. But when you don't have a story to back you up and it's not entertaining, it's not engaging, it's not arresting, and you just want out every single second of the way, do you think me and Bruce are going to recommend Wolf? And there's a reason why we call it Wolf. I give this pretty much maybe one star at the most out of five stars. One star out of five stars. I just I know Anderson lately has been on this whole thing about ratings. I don't mind giving movies ratings. This is a generous one star for me, Wolf. And Bruce, this is just not even – does it even merit – a watch for you? You know, I guess I always want to give an indie film that's trying to do something different a chance. I would say if you had a free service that was featuring this, you know, go ahead and go into it. Maybe the tone will work for you. Give it a try. But I I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. Yeah. Wolf to me gets one star and it mean and I also give it negative 95 minutes because that that's the minutes that it took away from my life. <laughs> one star and negative 95 minutes to Wolf aka Jeez, That's Wolf. the worst four star. Yep. You've heard one from star, one one star for me. Okay, next up, we're going to have we're going to actually hopefully have recommend recommends on movies we want to see this week as well as next week. We're going to wrap up our weekly movie reviews by the way if you want to check us me bruce and eric do all these weekly movie reviews we're here every week on find your film podcast i'll leave a direct line where you can subscribe to our podcast we're on everywhere on our on the show notes for cinematics so thank you and bruce bruce thank you and eric for just taking anderson's place for this week we're going to f- complete our movie reviews before we get into our our recommendations or previews with this movie called death of a telemarketer Hits theaters in VOD December 3rd. Stars Lamorne, Lamorne Morris as a telemarketer. He has to hit a certain quota. He, he needs to make $3,000 by the end of his workday to get the big bonus because he plunked down $3,000 for an engagement ring for this woman he really wants to marry, of course. He's in love with her. The problem with Lamorne Morris, Morris's character is this telemarketing telemarketer, his name is Casey. He's a bit of a faker. He he lives a life of fakery. That's And when you live a life of fakery, I've... I haven't been a telemarketer, but I, I used to work. I don't know you guys, if you guys know this. I used to work at a collect. I used to be a collection agent, so I would get people on their phone, on the phone, just get trust from them, and then tell them, "Hey, you know what? If you don't put that fifteen dollars down in, in in Montgomery Ward today, or Sears, or actually it was Sears, you're, it, I'm gonna have to do this to your credit, and I don't want to do that, ma'am or sir. I, I just, you know, all, all it takes is ten dollars. I know what it's like to actually call people on the phone and try to wheedle." money or try to work out deals that's interesting regarding this movie but what happens here's a little twist and this is not a spoiler because this is the premise of the movie while he's trying to actually make the three thousand dollars he makes one fateful phone call to a person who is on the do not call list he opens a do not call list notebook he calls that number and what lo and behold the person he calls is played by Jackie Earl Haley. If you know Jackie Earl Haley as an actor, you know how menacing he can be. Watchmen. What I'm trying to think. Watch, Watchmen. What else? He was in Little Children. Mm-hmm. Very good actor. Ew. So what happened is, yeah, Haley Joel Bad Osment. Bears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Jackie Earl Haley and another fellow child actor, Haley Joel Osment. Haley Joel Osment plays Jackie Earl Haley. Earl Haley's son in this movie. So father and son eventually they do not like this call from the telemarketer. They go to the telemarketer's place of work. And they they hold him hostage and they tell him basically the Jackie Earl Haley character says to the telemarketer, Casey, Casey, I want you to start calling people and tell them you apologize, ask for their apology. 
and, and apologize to them. And the only way I'm going to let you go is if one of these callers actually accepts your apology. If not, Casey, there's a good chance you might be taking a dirt nap. So that, that's the premise of this movie, Death of a Telemarketer. Has an interesting premise, has some good actors. Bruce, did this movie work for you? Mm, I would say, for me, it's a mild recommend, and it's 99% of that mild recommend is to watch Lamorne Morris. I think he's really good in this, and he really, um, I guess I think he really showcases his talents and his uh, charisma. I haven't seen him. I don't think I've seen him in anything else, but he definitely, he's definitely very um, engaging, and I would like to see more from him. He's now, good. The problem, yeah, the problem I had with this movie is I actually like the setup before the event happened that you described. So I think that the the big dramatic thing that is happening in this movie is the least interesting thing about it. I would rather have this be almost like, not wouldn't be like Friday, but almost I would rather have this be like a day in the life with all of his coworkers and just seeing like all the weird interactions and maybe over the course of a day, he'd have some change in his personality and kind of have it come out naturally through the characters as opposed to this big giant like dramatic event which isn't very i mean i guess it could happen but it doesn't seem very realistic to me so it's a mild office space office space office space type of movie right kind of office space or fridays or you know pick pick your movies that are like a day in the life where you get to just know some characters and interact with them and and really enjoy what they do because i think that there's enough interesting character moments that could happen in that setting to have it be really great and you have his you know his you know girlfriends slash fiance you know in the mix as well and and you start out seeing him as this brash you know brash full of himself dude that doesn't care for anybody and it's easy to have a character like that go someplace you know by the end of a day uh i don't know that would be my take on it so So mild mild recommend mild recommend for you eric how about you yeah uh i i like this a lot more than bruce this was really fun for me the uh high concept of get a have them accept your apology or you're gonna die and uh you know watching well kind of like bruce was saying at at, at the beginning i I thought it kind of did that it it showed how um he was a salesman it ruled his life even when he wasn't at work and then uh you know that's all fine and well but i'm just you know once the high concept kicks in and then you have to you know he has to be on the phone and uh, have them accept his apology. It kind of became a little bit cheap thrills for me. Now it doesn't get bloody like cheap thrills does, but it it has that same kind of energy to it. I thought, um, and I love Taylor Joel Osment in this. His character, like I never got to see him have so much fun in this role that he was doing, and I want to see him do more of that. Uh, th- this wasn't like a, you know, this isn't going to win Oscars. Or anything like that. This isn't going to change your life. But this is like a good movie to put on. Like, uh, you know, let, let's put on a movie. You put this one on and you get some good scenes. You get some fun performances. And this is a cheeseburger of a thriller, as has uh, been said. And, yeah, that, this is a pretty, pretty high recommend. Um, not going not gonna to light the world on fire, but I had a lot of fun with it. Oh, very cool. Glad. I mean, Bruce, you, you gave it a mild recommend. Eric, you gave it a solid yeah. recommend. So it's good. Uh, Death of a Telemarketer. I'm opposite from Bruce. For the first 30 minutes, I was bored out of my skull. I did not want anything to do with this movie. I was waiting again like Wolf. I'm thinking, when does this movie get a friggin' end? And then Jack, Jack Gerald Haley comes on board. 
And, you know, Jackie Earl Haley, when, whenever he comes up, I mean, I think he just upscales whatever project he's in. I, I biasly love him as an actor. And when he gets, gets on board as a guy who terrorizes the telemarketer, I thought the stakes went up a bit. Haley Joel Osment as this, the near-do-well son is very, very funny. I, I thought their dynamic, dynamic was really good. My only quibble is I wish there were more mano-a-mano confrontation-style moments between the Jackie Earl Haley and Lamorne Morris character. I, think, I wish there was more of a chess game between the two. I don't want to really break down the, the details of, of the plot, but really, there's a lot of co- phone conversations that happen within this movie, and I wish there was just more one-on-one moment. I could just see Haley, I mean, I could just see um, Jackie Earl Haley and Lamorne Morris just do just this chess match together for 40 minutes straight, and I'd still love it. I ended up really enjoying Death of a Telemarketer. I did not enjoy the first 30 minutes, so I'm a little bit, I'm giving it a mild recommend, me, but, <laughs> but the opposite of you, you, Bruce. Also, the third act, delivers okay because Lamorne Morris has a situation that he has to figure out comes face to face with the situation there is a monologue there is a discussion and I think that that third act wrap-up really worked for me and really sealed the deal for me actually liking Death of a Telemarketer I recommend recommend this movie as well this actually for me was a case of the third act making me actually want to recommend this movie. I don't know, did that was that important for you, Bruce, the third act, or were you already mildly on board with it as well? Yeah, I, I didn't dislike it, and I, I would agree that um, as far as the actors go, the you know, Haley, Joe Osment, and uh, Jack Earl Haley were the next most engaging actors also in this. I really like Haley, Joe, Joel Osment as well. Um, and I didn't hate the second act. I just thought it was a little too... Uh, it was getting at the point in such an obvious and easy way. And I would have loved to still have those characters maybe come in, but maybe have it happen a little more organically instead of just kind of be a shoehorn in there. But I didn't hate it. I was, it was still entertaining. I didn't hate it. I, 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 that, that part, um, trying to figure out a way to dance around this. There's a part that in any other movie, the characters would continue to not get it. But there's a character who I also like that I won't mention. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they picked up on what was going on pretty quick, and that doesn't happen in movies like this, and I really appreciated that as well. I, I, I think that's vague enough. Okay, vague. So that is Death of a Telemarketer. It hits theaters and VOD on Friday, December 3rd. That is all the movies that we're covering for this episode. Now we're going to get into our cinematics version of the episode where we recommend, or not recommend, we preview some movies else. Other movies are coming out the week of December 3rd, and then we're going to close the show with December 10th recommends or things that they're looking forward to bruce or eric do you have anything that's coming out other we we well we covered three of the movies on december 3rd is there anything else spillovers that's worth looking at guys i will let bruce go first i got like uh 11 of them here okay Uh, and all 11 and all 11 are diary of a wimpy kid stop writing (laughs) diary of a wimpy kid 11 times bruce all right what do i have uh i came up with well this came out I guess officially on December 1st, and that's The Power of the Dog, um, but I think it isn't really out quite yet. Uh, that's going to get a lot of buzz with Jane Campion directing it and starring Cumberbatch, Chris, Kirsten Dunst, and Jesse Plemons in a Western. So uh, that's that's definitely something I'm interested in. Um, oh, yeah. There's an animated movie called Flea, as in Run Away Flea, not as in Hop and Bite You Flea. Um, Flea... <laughs> Flea is directed by Jonas Poher Rasmussen and is an animated documentary about an Afghan refugee. And it's an animated documentary right off the bat kind of got my interest. It's like, well, what's that going to be exactly? And about an Afghan refugee 
who's uh i think he's gone to england or europe or someplace and he is about to get married to his um to a man and he's been keeping the secret for 20 years and i thought that sounded really interesting um and that is i believe co-produced by riz ahmed who will come up later in this i think cool and then i have uh two others really quickly the advent calendar this looks like it could be a really fun christmas themed horror movie it's coming out on shutter tomorrow on the Mm, second uh it is a french movie i believe and it's directed by patrick ridremont um and what it is is it's a woman who had been a um i think been a dancer and she has been paralyzed from the waist down she's in a wheelchair and she gets this kind of antique advent calendar and every time she opens up part of the advent calendar it's like this wooden box almost and it starts doing things and the things that she gets from each section of the advent calendar affects her life so kind of monkey's paw like looks like it could be really stylish and interesting and then the last one i've got is... we, we have to also mention that bruce perky is a huge shutter shill he loves his shutter yes. D- <laughs> that's your... yes, wait I is am. that one of your number one streaming services is that a number one or yes. number two for you yeah, I would okay. say so. It, it it consistently comes up with good and interesting stuff uh, or older stuff that I've been meaning to see for forever or re-see and, and it comes out there. And then uh, the last one is Dos, otherwise known as Two. Uh, I believe this is a Spanish movie. Uh, I believe it's coming out on Netflix as well. Uh, I see. <laughs> I'm getting a thumbs up from Eric on this one. Uh, it's only an hour and 10 minutes long, I do believe. It's directed by Mar Targarona. And it, I'll just read the, the, the synopsis and you'll tell you why I might be interested in this one. Two people, a man and a woman, wake up naked and their abdomens are attached to each other. Ew. Oh. <laughs> Ewy. I have that. I have that as coming out on the 10th on Netflix. Oh, but, but yeah, that, 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 that was definitely on my list. Uh, talk, talk about great high concepts. That, that was on it. Okay. That might be the 10th. I'm sorry. Put that on the 10th. <laughs> that is weird. Okay, so that's All right. right. That's, I'm done. You're done for December 3rd. Eric, yeah. is there something that Bruce didn't catch as far as December 3rd? Yeah, oddly enough, uh, all of them but Flea was not on my list. Um, well, so we got, uh, I'll, I'll just go through these. Um, uh, we're recording this on the 1st, so tomorrow on the 2nd, there's a uh, Christmas movie coming out called Single All the Way. It's a cute title. And uh, the reason I flagged this was it, it was uh, kind of like one of those Mariah Carey Hallmark type Christmas movies, uh, but this is uh, about a gay person and uh, gay couples trying to get together, and you don't see that hardly at all, if ever. And usually, if a gay person is in these type of movies, it's to poke fun at them. But this is like think uh, Castle for Christmas, but instead of Brooke Shields, they put I don't know um, Ryan Reynolds and Ryan Reynolds in a. Carrie Ellis together. So single all the way. Probably not for everyone, but I thought it was worth mentioning. Uh, we also have a uh, movie called Him and Her. Um, all lowercase. Uh, this looks like a uh, Cameron Crowe type movie. And mm. so it, it just looked uh, looked like someone, uh, Cameron Crowe kind of fell off. So someone else picked up the ball and ran with it. That's kind of what this one looked like. To By me. the way, for single all the way, I apologize both to, to you guys. I got an email on November 10th from Netflix and I'm just opening it right now. So I apologize. Oh, well. We should, we should have, we should have done it. We should have seen it. So him and her, that's the next one. So you're liking uh, that one as well. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it looks like a, it looks like an old school Cameron Crowe movie and cool. I, I'm kind of, I'm, Oh, so uh, the, the, 
point of that is two people are on the phone and their phone lines get crossed and they're like, uh, what, what's going on? And they start talking. So that's the, that's the setup. Um, and then they end up falling in love. Falling in love. Okay, cool. Uh, the next one I got is, uh, that this one could go either way. This one could be really fun or really stupid. Uh, it's with Ron Perlman and it's called the games called murder. Oh yeah. Um, this just seems like an oddball movie, kind of uh, the, the Prisoners of Ghostland or uh, Boonraku. It seems like one of those type of movies. Uh, this one could go either way, but I just flagged it because, hey, if it's awesome, I want to say, hey, I talked about it. And, now and Ron, Ron Poorman, he's good. Yeah. Um, ooh, we got one called uh, Tadap, T-A-D-A-P. Okay. Uh, it's a. It looks like a gritty, a gritty action movie. Uh, something that Scott Atkins might be in, but it's a Bollywood action rom com. Wow! Just look up the trailer for a movie called Tadap. T a d a p. Watch that trailer, and you will say to yourself, "Damn, Eric was right. I need to yeah, watch I, this movie I, right now." I, I need you know to- what. Yeah, I don't even know what any of these things are. These movies you're mentioning, they're not even showing up on my emails that I haven't opened yet. You know, that means you're really good. diving deep. Yes, Bruce. Greg, I have to file a formal complaint because last week we watched A Castle for Christmas. And ever since then, Eric is all rom-coms. What the hell is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> Love that film, A Castle for Christmas, folks. Well, this, this, next rom- this next rom-com is called The Scary of 61st. And I believe this comes out on Shudder. Uh, 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 two women... Uh, rent out a apartment that used to be owned by Jeffrey Epstein. And I thought this, I, I wasn't sure if this was going to be like a documentary or something, but like they, they rent the apartment and then a bunch of weird conspiracy things start happening. And then I watched the trailer for it and it looks like an old giallo, like out of the seventies or uh, not lose a flower of evil, but the other movie lose, you know how to have that kind of, Really grainy look to it. This one's got that same kind of thing to it. Uh, this one might be right up our alley, I think. This one comes out December 2nd and already came, it, yeah, it came, came out this week at Los Feliz Cinematheque in Los Angeles. And it hits New York December 17th. Also expands to city, different cities and digital platforms on December 24th. Oh, the nuts. the poster wow. for the scary of 61st looks really, really interesting. It does have a little bit of a jalo. Uh, Jalo feel. Think of like Jalo meets somewhere in time. It has a very interesting poster, and it's been getting some really good reviews. Interesting. Guy Lodge from Variety says, "Quote: A brash, gutsy, morbidly funny first feature from actor, filmmaker, podcaster Dasha Nekrasova." So we don't like podcasters. So I'm going to give that already a bad <laughs> review. So is that it? Is that it for December third, Eric? I got two more, but one of them I think is one you're looking forward to. So I'll I'll save that one for you. But the, no, I'm, no, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to pick any anymore. But go ahead, okay, well then we'll go with the other Riz Ahmed uh, joint encounter. Okay. Now that that one says it's in limited release on the third, but it's uh, I guess wide release or streaming mm-hmm. on the tenth. Am I correct about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's wide, it's yeah. wide I believe. Yeah. So should but, I save that for the tenth then? No, just say you can do. That's where I had it, but go for it. Uh, well, it's uh, uh, from the director of a movie called Beast, a uh, movie that we may be talking about on the next episode of Finder Film, if you want to hear more about that. Uh, this, uh, it looked like a... Uh, no, we're not going to talk about Beast on Finder Film, Eric. I, I refuse. Bruce, oh, okay. do, you, do you second that? We're not going to talk about Beast? Bruce, what do you think? 
Yeah, screw that. No, he's a beast, need... not wolf. Beast. Oh, 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 you, you, okay, okay, no, no, we're going to talk about beast. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Eric, go ahead. Uh, encounter, I just saw Riz Ahmed, and he's kind of at a weird point, or a, a really cool point in his career, where he seems to be picking bangers. So, pretty much, if Riz Ahmed's involved in a movie, I'm going to watch it um, until he uh, steers me wrong, which lately well. he has not. Well, I really hated last year's Sound of Metal, and when I interviewed him, he was really, really nice and genuine to me. So, f you, Riz Ahmed. I love Sound of Metal so much. Actually, all all three of us love Sound of Metal. We love that movie. I'm excited about Encounter. That is that wraps up December third. One that... one last or, one. What's a, what's the last one? Uh, last one's called Castle Falls, starring mm-hmm. Dolph Lundgren and the uh, uh, current day uh, Brandon Lee. His name is Scott Adkins. It uh, looks like uh, another showdown in Little Tokyo type type movie. Uh, not for everyone, but definitely for me. And I cannot wait to watch Castle Falls. Castle Falls. Okay, folks. Remember, uh, Cinematics listeners, Eric Holmes has a bias to, to uh, Scott Adkins. He's a huge Scott Adkins fan. And recently he interviewed Scott Adkins for the wonderful, awesome movie One Shot, which you can actually find out on your, on your Find Your Film podcast feed now we're going we're going to close the show with december 10th movies that are coming out december 10th that we kind of like we're we're excited to see and you know what let me look before we get to that i'm going to actually do something that i never do for find your film or cinematics that i should be doing because i listen to the film vault they do this for the film vault this is actually anderson does this he'll read them off i actually posted on our cinematics facebook group folks what are you looking forward to in the month of december Bruce, you were not supposed to answer since you're a podcaster, but you, actually, <laughs> you got some good brownie points. Let's let's start with Bruce Perky first, just because he had the narcissism to actually to actually uh, actually participate in the community when he's not the community. He's one of the kings and queens. He's a podcaster. But anyways, Bruce said his, his movies he really wants to see. Spoiler alert for December are Red Rocket, Licorice Pizza, and Nightmare Alley. Also, other participants in this feed. Is this our new member for Cinematics Facebook group for Cinematics? Is Jason Kleberg? Jason Kleberg, by the way, did, I don't know if you guys know this. He is also another podcaster. He does this really awesome podcast called the. I believe I I think it's called the Force Five Podcast. I should know. I was on it a couple of months ago. But he also mentions the movies that he really wants to see: is the latest Matrix film, the latest Spider Man film, Nightmare Alley, and those are the ones that he really wants to see. And then, you know, Nathan Day says, yeah, he's being Nathan Day, author Nathan Day, who's a part of our group as well. He says those are the same movies he wants to see as well. So nothing really. And also our our buddy Ken Cunningham, he says, out of all those movies, the one movie he really wants to see in December is, yes, Benedetta. Oh, my God, Benedetta. I love that film so much. All right, Bruce, lead us off. December 10th. What uh, what are some good movies? What you got? I don't have I don't have too many. Uh, Encounter was one of them, uh, which we mentioned for the third. Right. Um, I don't know if he mentioned you mentioned Riz Ahmed was in there. Octavia Spencer's in there as well. Yeah. It looks it looks pretty interesting. Uh, I also have well the aforementioned Red Rocket, directed by Sean Baker, who did Florida Project and Tangerine. So that you like you like Sean Baker? You like his stuff? I do. I like the style quite a bit, and um, it just sounds interesting, and it sounds like. The similar sort of thing where you're in a small town and, and interesting characters, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. And I've not seen I have not seen Tangerine or what the the Florida Project is that the one Florida, Florida Project Florida. yeah yeah I don't like I don't I don't really like watching movies about real people, and one of them shot on an iPhone so I have a basic thank you Eric for for smiling because you know uh, I'm I'm kidding but I'm really not kidding I really don't like people in, in, in document do you like do you like that but Bruce likes it do you like it do you like uh, Sean Baker stuff Eric what do you think would, would it change anything if it was shot on a Samsung 
Yes, sir. Yes, <laughs> very good. Yeah. Well, you know what? I for me, I, it's always going to be Droid and Droid over the uh, iOS. Okay. Anyways, so that's Red Rocket. Anything else, Bruce? For December uh, yeah, 10th? I've got um, a documentary called "To What Remains," which could be interesting. I'm not positive on it. I don't watch pre- uh, previews or trailers, so I don't know for sure. Why don't uh, you? Don't director- you like to be spoiled? You don't like to. You just like to be surprised, huh? <laughs> I like to be surprised. Okay. Sometimes for the good, and sometimes for the woof. Um, (laughs) directed by Christopher Woods. It's a documentary about trying to recover pilots remains from world war two that have been submerged in the ocean. And that sounds like it could be kind of interesting, maybe heavy, but maybe also really interesting. A publicist that we know and love actually has a screening link. Sorry for, uh, yeah, we're going to, we're going to get it. I'm going to get us screening links for to what remains, which we'll be doing next week on find your film. Very good. Thank you. Um, and I am not interested in watching West side story. There you go. Oh, oh whoa. Okay. <laughs> wait, 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 but back up, back, back. Wait, wait. Uh, uh, what? Officer Krupke, There's a Place for Us Somewhere. You know, that well, same song, America. So what you're pointing out is it's been done, and it's been done to death, and it's been done already really well, is what you're trying to point out to me? Yeah, Maria. I just met a girl named Maria, and suddenly that name will never be the same to me. Maria. Natalie Maria. Wood, sure. I just yeah. kissed a girl named Maria, and suddenly that sound, uh, yeah, but... What? Maria, say the sound. What? Eric, you like uh, West Side Story? Bruce is not excited. No? no what? No. You don't I'm, like musicals? I'm... You don't have a song in your heart, Eric. You don't have a song in your heart? What? You don't like the musical? I've, I've never seen anything with West Side Story. I mean, maybe it's good. Really? But uh, I, I don't know. Steven Spielberg's kind of fallen off like last couple Jets of years. and Sharks? It fallen off. It's I mean, like, I liked his shark movie. Jaws was really good. <laughs> Jaws was really but, good. And you like that that alien movie where the close encounter is the third kind? And then after yeah. that, not, not so much? Wow. Yeah. Fourth if kind, sharks not so are much. cast with actual sh- animatronic <laughs> sharks, I will go watch this oh, movie. Oh, come on. Steven Spielberg. The you know, there's if you watch, uh, was it uh, Eric. Shark Octopus? Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus? There is a shark attacking a, a jet. So Eric, is it is it safe? Bruce, is Eric urinating on the one of the Mount Rushmores of filmmakers, or do you do you support Eric in his assertion that Spielberg has fallen off? What do you think? Um, huh? he may be urinating rightfully on. <laughs> oh my goodness, Anderson Cowan! If you're listening to this feed, we apol- I apologize that. Because I know Anderson Cowan, is, uh, that's his favorite filmmaker. I think Anderson Cowan the other day said, hey, Gar- Greg, don't tell any of the podcasters in, in our, the film vault or cinematics or even after the disaster that deep down inside. Stanley Kubrick? I, yeah. I, can, I can hear I, him seeing him. Right um, you know, don't tell anybody. This is Christmas. This is my big Christmas wish. Yeah, I can't. You know why I can't do the cinematics podcast? You know, it's not really because we can't we can't mix schedules. It's because I've been trying really hard to get into the screening of West Side Story, and I've been praying like Maria. You know, the Santa Maria. I love it. And he started he started dancing, and he started singing, and he started twirling. I don't mind twirling, and I don't mind singing. I don't like dancing, but don't tell anybody, Bruce and Eric, that deep down inside, Anderson Cowan loves Sp- Steven Spielberg way more than Stanley Kubrick. This is not taping, right? We're not. We're not going. Uh, Bruce, how come you're looking at me like that? What's going on? I'm Eric? just thinking that the whole the whole mood was ruined when you started singing "I'm So Pretty" into. The... <laughs> I don't think we get Greg unleashed Eric? right now. <laughs> Eric, what do you think? What do you think? Uh, you, yeah, yeah, huh? No, no comment from Eric. Okay, I was kidding. I don't think. Uh, I don't think. I don't think. The, the West Side Story looks like it's going to be really good. They should probably nominate it for all the. Golden Globes and okay, dry win. I like. I that. have one review for yeah, it. Right. All the awards, all the awards. Eric Holmes says yes, Bruce. All the awards. You agree with Eric Holmes? Uh, is, tick tick no. 
Tick, 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 no. <laughs> okay, tick, tick, no. By the way, folks, I thought Tick, Tick, Boom was a masterpiece. Eric Holmes really enjoyed it, obviously. Bruce, what did you think of Tick, Tick, Boom? What did you say right now? It was it was fine. It was it fine. It was fine. Well, I'm excited for West Side Story. <laughs> I'm excited. Rest in peace, Steven Sondheim. I'm excited to see what Spielberg does for it. I think I honestly feel for, for many years I have discounted Steven Spielberg because I was on this train about how he's too commercial of his of a filmmaker and a lot of his endings are very schmaltzy and, and just syrupy, kind of like Saving Private Ryan and artificial intelligence. But you know what? Here's a big betrayal for Bruce Perky and Eric Holmes. I've honestly, without any kind of irony, I'm slowly turning the page on Steven Spielberg. I think I have highly underrated him, even though he is, a, whether Bruce and Eric and I, however we feel, he's still one of the Mount Rushmore filmmakers, let's face it. I, I would agree Pops. with that. I would yeah. agree with that. Whether you like, like it or not, I mean, you could say, what? Uh, uh, Bruce, you look like you have a thought bubble on you. Wait, what you got? Oh, I was just going to tell you that I did see a screener of it, and I don't want to ruin it, but at the end, one of the characters' fingers close, and it heals somebody who's died, and that's how Spielberg ends the new West Side Story. Okay. <laughs> okay. Is there flying bicycles in, in the middle of New York? In the, what, no? No? They, yeah, and they have, like, they have knife fights in flying bicycles <laughs> in, front of, um, in front of a moon. Yeah. The jets get drunk, and the sharks all get beached and start staggering around. <laughs> Look, I, I am, I'm a, look, I, <laughs> Jets and the Sharks, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you, but regarding Spielberg, I, I'm a closet, Spiel, I've become a closet Spielberg fan because recently, I, I'm not kidding, six months ago, I ended up, I don't know where it is right now, I ended up buying a sealed DVD expanded edition of, this is how much of a Spielberg fan I think I might be, of the Terminal, okay, that's how big of a fan I am. I think I'm thinking maybe the terminal might be underrated. I was actually thinking about that when I was in the store and I literally purchased it for about four or five bucks. So I don't Here, know. He, here's as much as uh, as much oh, oh okay yeah stuff oh, that oh, I sorry I just have to edit this one thing. Folks we're back it, on the edit. As yeah, much stuff as I'm giving Steven Spielberg I did like the terminal. Um, oh, good. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Okay, well, we'll I, see. I know a bunch of people hate that movie, but you know, it, was, it was pretty good. Underrated. War Horse? Do you like War Horse? <laughs> I haven't seen War Horse. Okay. It, it, I, I don't know. Just watching a movie about a horse, like, I, it's, it, it sounds really good, Bruce. I will watch okay. War Horse. You, okay, so that is enough regarding our Spielberg diatribe. Eric Holmes, thank you for making me, me actually go back to the edit, my audacity and edit the S-H-I-T. How dare you with that <laughs> with that potty mouth? Okay, I might even have to edit my spelling of that <laughs> bad word. Okay, now, anything else? Bruce, anything else for December 10th? That's all I've got, but Eric hasn't spoken yet. What's yes, Eric, got? what you got? I know it's not West Side Story. What you got? So I got, I got four of them. Uh, one, I'll go real quick. It's called The Last Sun. Just looks mm. like a western. Lately, they seem to be making decent westerns. Why not yeah, check like this what? One out? Like what? What's a decent western that that's come out this year? Well, what, Old what Henry is. Oh yes, uh-huh. really good. If you if you're listening to this and you have not seen Old Henry, get on that because Old Blake Henry Nelson. is really good. Uh, uh, Stephen Dorff, very good in that movie. Oh, uh, what was the what was the one with Idris Elba? Not the one that just came out, but the one. Mm. Oh, not the harder they fall. I, I haven't seen that. No, one. No, not the harder they fall. The the one oh, oh it was the Cowboys in New York. The yeah, Cowboys oh, that were right, New York. right. Yes, I forget I the forgot. name of that, but yes, that one was really Con- good. Concrete Cowboys. There yes, you go. Very, that's there a good go. movie. And again, um, those movies get they get buried in the algorithm in the Netflix. I no no, no disrespect to Netflix. We love Netflix. Right? They keep giving us our, our screener links, but there's so many hidden treasures within Netflix because there's so much con- content out there. But Concrete Cowboys, very good, Bruce. 
worth a watch. Eric, yes. Yeah, but uh, last one. Don't have much to say about it. It's just another new Western. Hopefully it's good. Uh, next one we got, I'm really looking forward to this. Don't Look Up with uh, DiCaprio. It's mm. the uh, uh, Conan Netflix. Basically a meteor is coming towards Earth. And uh, DiCaprio is, I believe he's the scientist that finds it. And he's just just going nuts over it. And then he's trying to warn people. And the people are just like, uh, they're kind of neither here nor there about it. Like, they don't understand the the weight of the uh, apocalypse that's coming. Uh, could be could be funny. Could be... Uh, I mean, it definitely uh, comes off as a satire. I'm kind of looking forward to see what they do with that. The next one is a uh, Aaron Sorkin jam, being the Ricardos. Mm, I, didn't I'm, know, I, didn't know, I didn't know Sorkin doing that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, he's writing and directing it. And it's about uh, Lucy and uh, Ricky Ricardo and... I, I'm just uh, all in on Sorkin all the time. Yeah, Lucille Ball he... is played by Nicole Kidman, and Desi Arnaz mm-hmm. is played by Javier Bardem. Yeah. Yes. And I've I seen the trailer. It looks like, uh, you know, it looks like they're doing a pretty good job. They're not doing like a... They're doing that thing where it's uh, not a direct uh, impression, but they kind of... It seems like they got the spirit of the people that they're trying to represent, if that makes Indeed. sense. Yeah, being the Car- Ricardos. All, and the last one... Here. The last one is called National Champions, directed by the guy that did Greenland, which we all liked, I believe. It was a better better movie than it should have been. Uh, National Champions, and I looked this up, is not based on a true story, because I don't really follow college football. But this is a uh, player on a college football team that uh, I guess they're going to play the National Champion. They're playing some big game, and they decide that the players decide that they're all going to boycott until the uh, college National College Football League starts paying the players instead of uh, taking advantage of them as they do. I think they still do now. Maybe not. I, I have no idea. But um, it seemed like a really cool story. I thought it was a true story because I know that, you know, kids, you know, they'll play the college football, they'll hurt themselves, and then they have no career. The, the thing they went to school for, the thing they worked their whole lives to do, and they can't do it anymore because they broke their leg. Meanwhile, the coaches are making millions of dollars. Uh, the schools are making billions of dollars. You know, th- there's a bunch of money to go around, and it goes to everybody except for the kids that put their put their bodies on the line. Um, and they're kind of get a raw deal. And so this is, a, a, I guess, a fictional story of what would happen if some – College football kids decided to boycott the college football league, and I think it's a I think it's a neat concept. And if uh, you can take something as stupid as Greenland and elevate it the way that the director did for that, I'm I'm certain that he can take an actual interesting concept and then maybe get even better. So well, Rick Roman Wah <laughs> is the director of Greenland, and he is a very, in my opinion, a very very good director as well. And like you like you said with Greenland and. Angel has fallen. He has these. He takes these genres and he makes them entertaining. Uh, we, we mentioned certain movies are not going to win Oscars. A lot of his movies will probably not win Oscars. But as far as them being entertaining, when I see the name Rick Romanois, I'm going to watch that movie. That oh. said, I haven't I haven't watched a lot of his movies. I should watch more of them. Yes, Eric. And uh, National Champions has J.K. Simmons as the coach, and I don't know who he plays, but Old Henry himself. Tim Blake Nelson is in that as well. Oh, yes. Yes, Tim Blake. By the way, I'm voting for our BFCA voters, uh, Critics' Choice, and I'm telling you, 
you know, if you guys are listening to this podcast, Tim Blake Nelson is going to be one of my nominees for Actor of the Year. He's so very, very, very good in that movie. So definitely Old, old Henry. Again, this, unfortunately, Old Henry, it's an indie film. It's a Western. It hasn't gotten a big push like all the big studios are pushing their product. But you know what? You're not going to fool me. I know I know what some of the really great performances are. And one of them is by Tim Blake Nelson and Old Henry. He definitely gets my vote. I'm so glad you mentioned this. National Champions to wrap up the show. Eric Holmes, I'll make sure we get screening links for next week for December 10th so we can watch National Champions as well as the documentary that, Bruce, that you mentioned that I'm forgetting right now at the top of my head that we'll, we'll talk about as well. How dare both of you not mention on December 10th also opening and limited release and you guys get a million dollars deducted from your pay, your pay grade. Agnes, it's a nun movie. Agnes, this is a, a, a nun's disturbing behavior sparks rumors of de- demonic possession at a remote convent. Agnes, December tenth. We were just we just did Benedetta. How how could you guys not flag Agnes? I I did see that, but I knew uh-huh. we were talking about Benedetta. I was like, ah, we can do two. Well, <laughs> yes, you, I yes. I, I, I'm glad you I'm glad you flagged it though. I'm yes. I just got a screening 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 link for Agnes. I'm gonna make sure that all three of us watch Agnes next week for the Find Your Film podcast. Okay, so that is what that's the first two weeks of December, folks. Look. Anderson will be back either next week or the following week. We'll, we'll wrap up the rest of this month. So consider this a half episode. Thank you, Bruce Perky and Eric Holmes for joining me on Cinematics. And Anderson, hope you're doing okay and doing well. And I, I apologize regarding my Steven Spielberg monologue. That's my, that's my bad. Until then, folks, we will see you next time here on Cinematics. I don't even know how we close Cinematics, but I'll see you guys well, very, very soon. Anything you want to say, Eric Holmes, before we go? I want to see, uh, hey, Anderson, if you're listening to this, I love you. And tell Jillian happy birthday. Oh, okay. okay. And Bruce, anything? Am I the only one that thinks that DiCaprio should be a cyborg that goes around and decapitates people? Oh, very good word. He's very good at word playing, folks. Thank you so much for listening to us here on Cinematics. We will see you next week or the week after. I don't know. We're once, we're once a month. Hopefully, we'll, we'll turn that around down the road. All right, guys. Bye.